Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day bubbling everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. What's a gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. They've got it with Smith, they've got it with Smith, they've got a score with Smith, unbelievable. Great chance, they've won it, Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to the final edition of the Matchday FM Royal Ascot podcast. We're four days down with one to go, but it looks like we've saved the best until last. The last eight races of the meeting include a stellar lineup of three group ones all in a row and two group twos. It is some lineup. Uh, myself, Joe Richardson, joined once again by Harry Reynolds and Ben Wignall for the last time this week, gentlemen. Emotional stuff. I was going to say very emotional. Um, it's been a, been a long, long week. week. A long one, an ageing week. I feel, feel like I've doubled in age over this week, but um, it has been a brilliant week. I'm obviously topped off by the fabulous Stradivarius. Yeah, it's been a Tough week for some, um, including me, betting, betting-wise anyway. But there's been some brilliant performances and Saturday's card just looks to be one of the best days of flat racing for quite a while. Yeah, uh, extraordinary card. And let's go through it then in order. So starting earlier start time with eight races to fit in is the 12.40, the Silver Wokingham Handicap consolation race for the Wokingham Stakes which runs at 4.10. That's followed by race two, the Queen Mary over five furlongs for fillies. That's followed by the uh, Coventry Stakes, group two for two-year-olds, the premier two-year-old race historically over six furlongs. And then we get into the run of group ones. Listen to this, 2.25 is the Coronation Stakes over a mile for the fillies. That's then followed by the St. James's Palace at three over a mile, which is usually run actually on the first day. We'll get onto that uh, later on about the three-year-old and the two-year-old races being run on the Saturday. And if that wasn't enough, at 3.35, it's the Diamond Jubilee, another group one over six furlongs, followed by the Wokingham itself at 4.10 over six. And the last one of all, the last race of Royal Ascot 2020, is the Queen Alexandra Stakes run over two miles and five and a half furlongs. I mean, it's been, that, that is just such an incredible card. Uh, ben, what are you most looking forward to? Um, I'm very intrigued in the two-year-old races, but the one I'm most looking forward to is the St. James's Palace Stakes for the three-year-olds, which we are going to talk about first, I believe. Indeed, we are. And... Just quickly, Harry, I mean, can you remember a day like this in, in British racing? You have to give all the credit to the BHA for what they've put on here. No, absolutely. There isn't one quite like it. I mean, we spoke obviously before recording this about the opening day at Cheltenham and, and even the opening day of the Grand National meeting. There's four grade ones there. But in terms of flat racing, this is unrivaled. The amount of pattern races we've got, three group ones, all, uh, all in a row is, is brilliant. And yeah, fair play to the BHA putting it together and allowing all these horses to get have a run and then a break before they meet Royal Ascot. Yeah, it's got the feel of a, a Breeders' Cup kind of day to it. 
Let's get straight into the action and dive into the St. James's Palace Stakes. Run over a mile for the three-year-olds. Group one, biggest race outside of the classics. Ben, who's on the cast list this year? Well, we've got a bit of a 2000 Guineas rematch from a few weeks ago. We've got the champion two-year-old Pinatubo who heads the market at 15-8 to eight for Godolphin. He finished third on that day. Just ahead of him was Wichita for Aidan O'Brien. He's 2-1 to one for this and Ryan Moore abandons Arizona, his Guineas ride, for Wichita. 4-1 to one is the highly progressive Palace Pier for John Gosden and Frankie Dettori. 10-1, to one, we've got threat for Richard Hannon and Sheen Murphy, who comes straight into this race after his two-year-old career. Positive at 14-1 to one for Clive Cox. He's got some, pardon the pun, positive group form from his juvenile days. Uh, and at 16s, we've got Arizona, who bombed out pretty badly in the 2000 Guineas. Sean Levy takes that ride for Bally Doyle, and the Bally Doyle third string, Royal Doorknock, is the outsider at 50-1. to one. There's only one place to start, and that's Pinatubo. You both uh, looked at him and backed him for the 2000 Guineas. Let's look back on that race now. And Harry, where do you stand on him? I mean, it's disappointing when the champion two-year-old gets beat, but it's not like an Air Force Blue where he completely bombed out. I think there are excuses. I think if William Buick could have the ride back, he probably would do, and he just got too close to the pace that was set way too fast by Juan Elcano, who obviously did the same in that Hampton Court. and about limped home again disappointed obviously but at the same time it was a perfectly satisfactory comeback run in what looked a pretty strong race obviously we'll have to wait and see what happens with Kamiko in the derby and and how that goes but obviously if Pinatubo and Wichita are at the front end of this it will show itself to be a decent race so I'm not giving up on him yet it's not like he he blew up he, he placed in a classic that's still not bad form so albeit disappointing to lose after his uh, winning streak of six came to an end. I think there's still a fair amount to be positive about. Yeah, I won't be writing him off either. We all obviously expected him to win the 2,000 guineas after what he did in his juvenile season. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be. We saw he wasn't as physically imposing as some of the other horses. Wichita looked a bigger, stronger horse next to him when they were finishing. Perhaps he needed that run to blow the cobwebs off. We saw another good Godolphin two-year-old in Victor Ladorum. He needed his first run back in France before winning their equivalent of the 2,000 guineas. So I don't think we can write Pinatubo off. He's still got immense talent. And with a smaller field here, he can perhaps be more prominent. And obviously, he's racing around a bend here as well and not on a straight course. So that's a bit of a, a new challenge. Saying that, though, he did run at Epsom where he won the Woodcut Stakes at a two-year-old around the bend. So the he's Curra. got... The Curra. Won the National Stakes at the Curra. Yeah, you're right as well. Yeah, can't write him off yet, and he's quite rightly a strong fancy for this. Yeah, I was just going to say on Pinatubo as well. Obviously, looking back last year, his worst run was undoubtedly in the Dewhurst at Newmarket. So, whether that track doesn't necessarily suit him, that's sort of an angle I'd be leaning to as well, considering how good he was everywhere else, particularly tracks that had bends. So, yeah, as I said, I think there's excuses, and I'm excited to see what he can do on Saturday. You mentioned uh, a Ben, Victor Ladorum, who needed that first run. Both of those, of course, Victor Ladorum and Pinatubo out of Shamadal. Um, and if we discuss the ground, we're expecting, I believe, no rain from Friday. But we saw him, as you said, in the, at the current in the National Stakes, run 
when it was uh, monsoon conditions, so the ground shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, he absolutely hacked up that day. It shouldn't be a problem theoretically, but obviously, you know, that's quite a long time. I think it was back in September, so that was nine months ago. We have to believe he has trained on because a third in the Guineas is no mean feat. So, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any worries about the ground. At best, it's probably going to be good to soft. The rain does stay away. I know we had a bit of a deluge on Thursday. Yeah, the ground shouldn't be a worry to anyone looking to back him. No, definitely not. And as I never really associate Shamadal as, as Sire, who, whose progeny have ever needed rattling quick ground, like a war front, maybe. Looking at Shamadal's record, he ran twice on soft and won twice. There, there'd be no excuses, no matter how soft or fast it was for Pinatubo. The second favourite is Wichita running for uh, Aidan O'Brien. And Ben, has he taken over from Arizona, who of course won the Coventry last year, as Aiden's leading three-year-old? Well, leading three-year-old Miley, yeah, I'd say so. Ryan Moyes got rid of Arizona, who was on in the Guineas. He ran a bit of a stinker, and he's got on Wichita, who was just touched off by Kamiko, obviously. And I think a mile will be his option trip. He won't want anything further than this going off pedigree. I know we discussed he's been off by none ever, who was a sprinter, but he seemed to get the mile pretty well. This is a new test, obviously, at Ascot. We saw from his two-year-old career, he had a race at Doncaster where he had Malatham in front of him. And on Thursday, we saw Malatham win the Jersey Stakes, although it was a Grade 3 in Wichita, last run, in, last run sorry, in a Grade 1. It's still very good form with Berlin Tango as well, third in the Hampton Court. He was behind that day as well. So if you're looking on just general form, Wichita has proven to be the better horse in Arizona, even though he had a good two-year-old career. It doesn't look like from his first run he's trained on. Maybe he'll surprise us, but it's clear to see that Wichita's the main miler three-year-old fancy for Aidan O'Brien now. The interesting runner here, in my opinion, is Threat, who I backed uh, anti-post for the 2000 guineas. His connections had other ideas, though, and he didn't run in that race. Instead, going straight here to the St. James's Palace. Are you keen on him, Harry? No, to be honest. He kept getting beat last year in... <laughs> sorry to spoil that for you. Yeah, no, he kept getting beaten in Group 2 last year. We've seen... He consistently beaten. I know he won the group two at, at York and obviously then the Champagne Stakes at Doncaster. But yeah, whenever he's been at the top level, he's been, been beaten. And no excuses as well. Obviously, Golden Horde beat him at Goodwood. Arizona beat him in the Coventry. And Earthlight beat him in the middle pack. And he was fifth that day. So I'm not sure stepping up to a mile is necessarily going to be his trip either. I think seven furlongs look like his optimum. He's, he's got every right to take his chance. The other worry is he hasn't had a run. Whereas the others, or the, certainly the three at the top of the market, have had a run. And even Arizona, whether you can forgive that Guinness run, it looked, it, for my money, it looked like he hasn't trained on because that was just too bad to be true. So nine to one or thereabouts he is, maybe run into a place and you can get a little bit of value there. But I would be surprised. And the other runner at the top of the market is Palace Pier. It isn't a group one without the Tory and Gosden featuring heavily. Ben, how do you sit with Palace Pier? Well, he was so impressive at Newcastle on handicap debut a few weeks ago and Rab Havlin was struggling to pull him up at the end. Because of the delayed start to the season, these kind of horses are allowed into handicaps after just two runs. Normally it's three. 
and we saw earlier in the week when Kalusi bolted up into Britannia, some of these have been given pretty lenient marks, but Gosden's decided to not keep him in those kind of ranks and he's moved him straight into group company, which does must mean he thinks the world is always or the owner does as well. It's hard to see past the first two in the market, Pinatubo and Wichita, but I think this horse is in the category of could be anything really. It's got a mass amount of potential and even though, like I said, it'll be hard to see past the first two, I still wouldn't be surprised if that makes sense if he does come out and win this. Yeah, for me, Palace Pier is just ridiculously short in comparison what he's done to Pinatubo and Wichita. He's won a maiden, a novice and a handicap event and the horse he beat uh, Newcastle in that handicap last time acquitted was pulled up stone dead last in the Golden Gates handicap earlier this week at Alaska. so the form's taken a pretty hefty knock there he's got 17 pounds to find on ratings with Pinatubo 9 with Wichita 4 to 1 thereabouts is skinny enough I always think I'd like to I mean I don't mind seeing a horse come out of handicap company going into sort of listed group 3 level but I mean or even Group 2, we obviously saw with Frankie Darling earlier this week. But to go into straight into a Group 1 is a big, big ask. And I would like to see him do it. And I'd certainly, if I was to take a chance, I'd certainly want at least each way value because you're not even getting your money back there if you places. So poor value, but like Ben said, he has obviously got a lot of potential. So if he did win, he obviously could. I'd be a little bit surprised, but I don't think it would be the most shocking result in the world. But yeah, as I said, the value was completely non-existent with this horse. Right, let's move on to the selections for this one, the St. James Palace. Pinatubo for you both? I'm sticking with Pinatubo, yeah. I'll give him another chance after that. Running the guineas, um, I certainly think it's going to be a fascinating end to the race with Pinatubo and Wichita neck and neck. But I am going for Pinatubo to reverse that form from the guineas and win this. Yeah, I think this race will be run a lot more to suit Pinatubo. He'll get more cover as they're going around the bend. It'll be easier to settle and he can explode up the, up the hill at a track that has proven suits him. So I'm not going to fall him off a cliff if this doesn't work. This will be my last chance saloon. But yeah, I'm going to go for Pinatubo. I agree. Three votes for Pinatubo and the uh, Victor Ladorum angle is also very interesting from the French 2000 guineas. He needed a run and let's hope Pinatubo does as well and wins this one you're listening to the brand new match day fm podcast if you agree or more likely disagree with our panel's views and let us know you can find us on twitter we're on at match day fm we're also on facebook just search for match day fm let's move on to the second group one we're going to talk about which is the diamond jubilee stakes run over six furlongs over at uh, 3.35. And Harry, if you could take us through the market. Yeah, at the top of the market, we've got Skeptical for Frankie Vittori and Dennis Hogan. He's at 11 to 4. Then Hello Yunzane won the Sprint Cup at Haylock last year, 4 to 1 for Kevin Ryan, ridden by Kevin Stock. One Master is 4 to 1 for James Dillon William Haggis. She won the Prix de la Fire the last two years. Then Cardem for the on fire Jim Crowley at 6 to 1. Last year's second place, Dream of Dreams, is next in the market at 8-1, ridden by Ryan Moore for Sir Michael Stout. Then 2017 winner, The Tin Man, ridden by Sheen Murphy for James Fanshoy, is at 10-1. Sons of Marley for Ben Curtis and Richard Fay, 14-1. Same price as Sean So Bright for Sylvester D'Souza and Andrew Baldwin. Speaking Colours, uh, another Irish Raider, ridden by William Boot for Joseph O'Brien's at 20-1. to 
And then finally, breathtaking look for Andrea Zini, trained by Shoot Williams, is at 33 to 1. Let's start with the market leader, Skeptical. And as Harry alluded to, there's a very interesting story behind this horse, which Ben, I would like you to explain. Yeah, well, he was bred by Godolphin and his sires are very speedy, exceed and XL. But the powerhouses of racing Godolphin decided to send him to the sales without being raced. And James McCauley picked him up for just £2,500 at Doncaster sales and sent him to Dennis Hogan in Ireland. Now, Dennis Hogan, he had a very good progressive horse last year called Make a Challenge, who rose through the sprinting ranks in Ireland. A few people fancied him for the champion sprinter Ascot at the end of the season, but Don Juan Triumphant won that at pretty much a shock. I think it was 33-1, to 1, and it was on pretty testing ground that day. I think it was heavy. But, no, this is another bargain horse that Dennis Hogan's got. He finished third on debut last year, and then he developed into a bit of a star on Dundalk's all-weather track. And in his first ever run on turf, a couple of weeks back at Nace, he bolted up in a listed contest, and now he's the highest-rated sprinter in Ireland. And when you consider some of the stables over there, Aidan O'Brien, Joseph O'Brien, Jesse Harrington, it's a big accolade for a horse like this who, is, who costs so little uh, and is a, one of the smallest trainers in the country. He's fancied so highly for such a big race. It'd be a great story if he won, Harry. Yeah, it would be. I don't think anyone could argue with that. Obviously, there was a lot of talk going into that listed run, whether he'd be able to handle the switch from the all-weather to the turf, and he handled it very easily. Uh, his price is pretty short on what he's achieved but then I guess it's a value if he wins so it's a big step up another big step up for him but if he did win it as we've said it would be absolutely one of the stories of, of the week one of the stories of recent years at Royal Ascot The second favourite is Hello Yume Zane at the minute and on paper Ben he carries some pretty good form especially at Ascot Yeah he's a very consistent horse uh, at Ascot he did come third in the Commonwealth Cup last year that advertised one and also last season he won the Sprint Cup at Haydock on soft ground. So if it is still soft on Saturday, we'll know he'll handle the, the track. But he did finish midfield in the champion sprint at the end of the season. That was on heavy though. He also beat the highly rated Calix last season before he retired prematurely. Kevin Ryan's stable form, potentially a worry. He's only had five winners in the last six. Uh, 50 runners from the last 14 days, which isn't fantastic. But there's no doubt enough his form in 2019. Hello, Yumzen is deservedly up there in the market. On to the next. And uh, Harry, Dream of Dreams comes back for another run at this. Ryan Moore's in the saddle. Fancy him? Personally, no, but this is a horse that does go quite well fresh. He's been off since October. So that's a, a number of absence to overcome. But last year on reappearance, won his first two starts before losing only a head to Blue Point in this. Has been gelded as well, so you'd like to think you know, there's going to be some improvement for that. But, I mean, after that run in this race last year, completely tailed off in his 10th, 8th and then 2nd last in the, in the sprint race at Ascot and Champions Day. So the price is fairly skinny again, considering there's a lot of negatives there. But I suppose if you can get within a head of Blue Point, you're going to have a chance against any of these. Ben, I know that you're keen on James Doyle's uh, mount, who's having a brilliant week. Yeah, he is. The Doyle's having a, a very good one. Yeah, one master interests me. Um, she's 
four to one at the minute. We know she likes juice in the ground. She was second in the champion sprint last season on heavy. And she's won the Pre de la Forêt two years in a row. That's over seven furlongs. And that may very well be her optimum trip. I don't know if six furlongs is really the one she wants, but we know obviously she can uh, run it at group one level. So she has to go into consideration and her being four to one along with Hello Humes and suggest that she's one of the live contenders. And we don't know if Skeptical will stay six furlongs on this ground if it is soft. Obviously, he'll probably want it to dry up a bit, um, but he's a complete unknown having only ran on turf ones. So I'll be interested to see what the ground actually is before having an actual bet on this. Yeah, with Skeptical as well, obviously, XC and XL progeny tend to prefer fast ground. So you, that would be a worry, particularly when you have got a number of Group 1 level rivals in here with form on soft, softish ground. So that would be a big worry. And again, especially at the price, you're taking a big risk that he's going to handle it. You haven't given much away, both of you, so far. Who are we going for here? I personally, I'm going to go for Hello Yunzeng. I mean, that form last year, all, all the way through up until the last race, I think you can forgive on heavy ground was behind Mahatha over seven furlongs at Newbury. I mean, that form looks good. Obviously, we, we'll never know how close he would have got with a better ride in the Queen Anne and then beat Calix on good to firm. So it's not just a mudlark and go on any surface. And yeah, ex- very well, very experienced in these sort of races. When I first looked at this race, I was a bit worried that the rain might not come for him and it might be a bit difficult, but now it has come. I think it might might just be perfect for Halloween zone. Yeah, it's not a race I have it. Huge, strong fancy, but I will go for one master. She's definitely a classy horse at Group 1 level. And I'll be more confident in her if it does stay soft. But obviously, with the weather looking like it will brighten up after Friday early afternoon. She might not get it as soft as she wants, but I will still stick with her. I don't think, I don't think she needs it, soft to be fair. I mean, she was second and neck in the Falmouth last year to Voracious over a mile. And that was good to firm. So again, I mean, I know it's easy, it's easy to start pinning these horses as mudlarks because they've got four months off, but I think they're both very versatile and they're proven either way. So I think if you were to go for either, either of them, I certainly wouldn't be putting you off either of them, good to firm, soft or, or even softer. I like it. Difference of opinion is what we want. Let's move on then to the final group one that we're going to talk about, and that is the 225, the Coronation Stakes, over a mile for the Phillies and uh, I'm going to go through the runners and riders seven in all and the market is headed by Quadrilateral who went off of course favorite for the 1000 guineas at two to one current four to one chances Alpine star for Frankie Dettori riding for Jesse Harrington uh, James Doyle takes the ride on run wild for John Gosden at nine to two Six to one is Cloak of Spirits, who we'll talk about as well, who ran in the 1,000 guineas. Sharing as well is at six to one for the champion jockey, Oshin Murphy. So wonderful for Bally Doyle and Ryan Moore at nine to one. And finally, William Buick rides for uh, Aidan O'Brien with Love Locket. Let's start with Quadrilateral then, who I said was favourite, of course, for the 1,000 guineas. Harry, thoughts on the 1,000 guineas and her performance? I thought she ran an absolute stormer to to finish where she did, considering how hard she pulled. And she, she was basically with the choke out the whole race and stayed on to third. I think that kind of confirmed what we or what was suspected before about her needing further. 
So I was a bit surprised that she was declared for this race, to be honest. But at the same time, with a bit of juice on the ground, I think that will help her. But the race, again, the, a straight mile to a round mile, it's such a different complexion to the race. And she'll be able to drop in and get cover here, which she wasn't able to do at Newmarket. Obviously, the love isn't here. She is the one that's going to be stepping up in trips, so it hasn't got her to worry about. And the one who beat it was Cloaker Spirits, who ran an absolute stormer, but she beat Quadrilateral when every single thing in the world went wrong for Quadrilateral, and she got every single thing right. So I would expect her to turn the form around there. Compared to St. James's Palace, I'm a little bit disappointed, to be honest. It's not not got all the makings of um, an elite group one, should we say. Quadrilateral probably should be favourite. Um, I'm still a little bit concerned that she wants further than a mile, but at the same time, things might just drop a bit better for her this time. And uh, staying on the 1,000 guineas, Cloak of Spirits ran a really good race. Is she able to back that up again, or has she run her best race of the season already? I'm not too confident that she'll confirm the form of Quadrilateral. Obviously, they were about head within each other, but she did run a nice race, although it was probably biased because of the rail um, that we saw at Newmarket that weekend. If the stat, if the horses went to one of the two rails, they tend to get a better run. And she, won't, she definitely won't have it as easy here. I can easily see Quadrilateral improving on her first run of the season, and especially around the a bend as well. I think she'll get a bit more covering. She'll get a nicer toe into this race. And I can definitely see her being one of the fancies for this one, but I don't think it's like a, a search. She was definitely pulling quadrilateral in the in the guineas and there's definitely a horse or two in here that might take to the line as well. And uh, is this? I think there is, yeah. A horse or two. I think there's one. I think there's one maybe, but I mean, to save Joe the job of getting onto it, I assume you're talking about Alpine Star. And another one, yeah. But we'll we'll oh, we'll talk. Really, about that form, <laughs> that form, <laughs> that form from the New Market race is um, I'm not windy at best. I'm not talking about Rumble. Really? Who are you talking about then? You'll find that in a minute. God, what sharing on on ground with soft? Ah, oh, you're a lunatic. Right. Bit of, bit of order, please. Run, <laughs> run, run wild. Talking of uh, the 1,000 guineas and guineas weekend, we saw her run at Newmarket and win. Wow, what performance that was, Ben. John Gosden. Uh, it looked nice on the surface. She was an experienced two-year-old and she ran third in a decent race at Newmarket in 2019. Peaceful was second that day. She won 1,000 guineas in Ireland. And he had a pretty poly run uh, the other week. She looked very impressive, but... That form was busted a little bit by Trefoil, who came third there. Um, she was back downfield in the Ribblesdale, so I'd be quite wary of that. And they gave Run Wild that day the run of her race. And it was a weekend where not many horses were getting past on that rally, in the, on the rolling mile. Sorry, not rally. Yeah, I can't really have her beating quadrilateral. Yeah, it's hard to fancy, really. I don't get the, trip, the drop back in trip there either, to be honest. I mean, that 10 furlongs seemed to suit that day. And yeah, it'll be a lot a lot tougher to do that in a race like this. I mean, let's be, let's be fair, that race completely fell apart, as many did that weekend, because there was a, a tailwind and a trap bar. So anyone, any, any front runner basically won. 
I, I mean, I don't know. I think there was about four on the spin on, on the Saturday or Sunday or something ridiculous. But the front runners just went out in front and didn't come back. So that form really was a bit ropey enough. And then obviously with Trafoil coming out again, absolutely walloped. That looks, I mean, albeit that's just stepping into a group two, this is stepping into a group one. So I, I think there's a lot to be desired on form, albeit if you go back to the room behind, born with pride and peaceful, it looks a lot better. But I think two-year-old and three-year-old form, as we've seen, are very different things. And I just, yeah, I can't have a... Well, before you both get the boxing gloves out over sharing, uh, let's talk about Alpine Star. Yeah, Alpine Star was behind Love on debut. So there's that form represented again. Only a length and three quarters off Love when she was making her debut. And she came out and won her next two, including a group two at the Curra. So she steps up to a mile. Yeah, and the other issue we've got here is she hasn't run since August. That's a long time to be off the track. And we also saw with Albina when she came up for her first out of season, whether that was due to much rain on or whatever, she just didn't deliver. So I would be a bit concerned there, but obviously the stable's in cracking form and frankly, Atori takes the ride. I definitely have her down as the main danger to quadrilateral, but she's got a fair few questions to answer for my money. You mentioned that Corey Group 2, she won. In fifth, that race was love, and obviously yeah, there you go. Then so that, that form yeah, goes straight back. Yeah, that form. She turned the tables from her debut, and obviously she improved to win a maiden, and then that group two. Um, Harry's right. The time off is a bit worrying in the fact that Albini didn't fire in the thousand guineas over there, but still think she retains a lot of potential, and she's in that class of could be anything really. And in that group two as well, you've got so wonderful. In fourth, they were stayed in the thousand guineas in Ireland. So, but just stack up to be fair. I don't know why you look into it, but I mean, yeah, the, the time off would be a concern, and coupled with the performance of Albina, yeah, it'd be enough, it'd probably just enough to put me off. Right, Harry. At this stage, I'll ask you to mute your mic as Ben makes the the case for sharing. Well, I don't think Graham Motion would be bringing her over if he didn't think she had a chance. Um, she won at the at the Breeders' Cup in the juvenile fillies. She had a few European horses behind her in Albania, who, to be fair, didn't get a run. She was at the back and she ended up staying on really well. And Daya was back in second. We've not seen her yet, uh, but she's a really promising filly. And she's also had a run already in the States this season uh, where she won a listed contest. So we know she'll be race fit. Obviously, it's hard to stack up a form with Obviously, the thousand guineas were quadrilateral and clock spirits. However, I don't think I think she's pretty unexposed, and I don't think we should be writing her off like Harry seems to be. Yeah, but you've got to realise these American horses just don't want it soft, and realistically, it's going to be soft in description. The fast, the, the slowest ground she's encountered was good. Her other four runs have been on firm, and I mean, a run round centre and eight is very different to Ascot where they've got a pretty short straight and it's all flat this is a completely different test I appreciate that she wouldn't be coming over if they didn't think she had a chance but Wesley Ward wouldn't send his runners over if he didn't think they had a chance and that hasn't gone too well for him when there's been softness description so I just really can't have one based on that and the ground is the main thing but also it's it's a completely different race to the one she's won I will point out one horse that made that transition from firm or good ground to soft. Tepin, couple, uh, four years ago, I think it was, in the Queen Anne. I know it's a completely different race. This one's around the bend and this one's just for three-year-olds. But she went from winning firm races and then she ran on soft in the Queen Anne and beat the better European milers. So that's one that breaks. Not many of them do it, though. 
No, not many of them, but Sherman could do. She's got decent form in America, so oh. I'm not saying I'm not saying I fancy her to beat quadrilateral. I'll say she might be up there, but she's not my fancy of winning it. But I think she's still got a a chance of being there at the finish. Nice little each way bet, perhaps. Quadrilateral then for you both? For me, yeah, I think it's a, a weak group one. Um I'd be disappointed if Quadrilateral wasn't able to win, even though I've got doubts about her wanting this trip. I think she wants further, but she should still be good enough to see these off. If Alpine Star had had a run, might be a bit different. But yeah, on the process of elimination, I think I'm able to eliminate every other horse in this race for one reason or another. I'm left with quadrilateral. Yeah, quadrilateral for me as well, um, even though it was a mouthful to say for me. Two to one, I think it's fair enough. And I don't think the I think run wild at 72 is an absolutely horrid price. Yeah, quadrilateral for me. Now, if you're enjoying this, then why not check out our blog? You can find it on our website. Just search for Matchday FM. Right, well, let's uh, dive in. We've done the Group 1s. Let's go to the Group 2s. Starting with the 115, the Queen Mary, over five furlongs. Two-year-old race. The market at the moment is headed by more beautiful for uh, the Bally Doyle team. 13 to 8, very sure. Very well backed at the minute. Wesley Ward runner Campanelle is next in the market. Frankie Dettori takes the ride. Sacred in the Chibi Park colours runs for William Haggis and James Doyle. And Happy Romance is the only other one at a single figure price. Are we all in the more beautiful camp? Absolutely. As a Saxon Warrior groupie, I get to feel like I've been given chance of redemption after the way Ballydale treated that horse by never letting him run a mile again after the 2000 guineas. So yeah, I mean, this horse is half half sister to Saxon Moria by Warfront. So you're getting all of his best traits plus a little speed on top. I'll be honest, I was a lot more keen on her when they initially flip-flopped from this race and it seemed like she was going to run in the Albany, which there was six furlongs. But she was very, very impressive on debut and very, very easily a nice over the minimum trip. I don't think it's a problem. I'd like to see her step up a little bit, but based on that effort, I'd be disappointed if she wasn't good enough for these. Although, there's a a couple in here that are quite interesting. I mean, Sacred beat Happy Romance on debut and Happy Romance came out and won, albeit a bit of a mess of a race, very easily. But yeah, I'd I'd be disappointed if More Beautiful didn't have too much class for these. I am also in the More Beautiful camp. I think we're already back to one of them across the card. Uh, across the week, sorry, um, bets, but uh, she is very short, getting nibbled away every time. Her main market danger, Campanelle, she sports the same colours as Lady Aurelia, who won this race quite devastatingly um, in 2016. And Campanelle won impressively on debut at Gulfstream on firm ground. And obviously, again, you've got to worry that the ground at the, uh, at the minute is soft. It may dry up to be good to soft on, on Saturday, but there's no guarantees of that. And these American horses, the juveniles anyway, tend to want it going fast. So I would be very wary of that. And there is another one that caught my eye on the all-weather. Sands of Time for Mark Johnston, one by five lengths. I don't particularly like backing horses who haven't run on turf uh, when they come to Ascot, but I might make an exception for this one because it was so striking on debut but it might fall into the same category as Mighty Gurkha's run 
she ran really well on debut at Lingfield and I think she came fourth or fifth in the Windsor Castle. But yeah, I might have a little each way play on that, but I'm definitely in the more beautiful camp as well as Harry. So two votes then for more beautiful. We're tipping up some favourites so far. Let's see if that's going to change then. The next one being the 150, which is the Group 2 Coventry Stakes. Uh, another short price favourite for Bally Doyle and it's Admiral Nelson. Ryan Moore taking the ride at 11-4. to 4. Kadar is the next one. Uh, Jim Crowley again riding in the colours of Sheikh Hamdan for Mark Johnston. Creative Force is up there as well in the Godolphin colours. And also it's lauded for Tom Dascombe and Richard Kinscott at 8 to 1. Harry, are you sweet on Admiral Nelson? Yeah, was the second string on debut at the Curra on 2000 Guineas night and was just so impressive. Travelled all over the back of them and won easy as you like. So the step up in trips obviously going to be a plus. And then the pedigree you've got by Kingman out of an exceeding XL mare. So again, like so many, it's just ridiculous the the riches of these that Bally Doyle have at their disposal. It's, just look at some of the pedigree sometimes. Just think it's not fair. It's not fair on the other runners, but. Again, this horse got such a reputation off that run. You you have to think that he has to win here if, if he's to sort of fulfil that. He's been a, a talking horse since that race and he's been very, very well backed for this race over the last few days. I think he started at about 5-1, to 11-2 or something and is, is into 5-2, So th- there's confidence behind him and he's got the pedigree. He's certainly got the performance. If he can perform anywhere near to that level and, and keep improving, then he should be very hard to beat. O'Brien and Ballydoyle, they've definitely enhanced the potential stallion ranks, whatever the, these Kingmans decide to do when uh, further in the season. He did look very impressive on debut, uh, looked very speedy when he picked it up and beat his stable mate, who was, I think, almost an even favourite. But Kadar also looked very smart at Newbury last week, and his sire, Knight of Thunder, picked up his first Royal Ascot win. There's a stallion this week where Molotham won the jersey. But the one I like, who's near the top of the market, is Creative Force of Godolphin. He's a half-brother to some nice horses, including Persuasive, who won a Group 1. He won nicely at Newmarket on debut. Drawn next to Admiral Nelson as well, so that could end up being a a very nice battle. And I think the second horse in in Creative Force's debut, Imperial Force, will have run earlier, I think on the Friday, I think we're recording this on the Thursday, but it will have run on Friday, so that'll be an interesting to see how that horse does it compared to Creative Force's chances on Saturday. The commentary, of course, is the historically the premier group, uh, sorry, two-year-old race. Do you lads look at this with next year's classics in mind? I don't think so. I think... <laughs> I think that's a bit premature because because some of these horses they may develop into milers, but some of them may not. I mean, we saw Calix, who was never going to be a miler, won this so impressively. So I think it it will differ. Some certain horses obviously go on and try to get them out. Arizona did it last year, and that hasn't worked. So I think, especially with these two year olds, it's so early. I don't think you can look too far ahead. I think you just have to watch it race by race, sort of develop your knowledge of them, see what they can do, and then. When it comes to the end of the season, you can start looking towards the classics and who you think to end up where. But until then, uh, we're a long way off. Especially with the shortened season as well, they've yeah. almost had to rush some of these juveniles in, obviously, to to get something to Ascot. 
and these big trainers might be saving some of the best ones till like for an autumn campaign. So I don't think we might get some clues if one wins really impressively. Um, I no doubt it'll get cut for the the two thousand guineas next year, but I don't think we should be steaming Antipos into the whatever wins here. No, and uh, yeah, so. The commentary is, of course, normally run on day one, but it's been put back to the Saturday day five uh, two-year-old race. What are we going for here, chaps? I'm going to stick with Admiral Nelson. I said I was a Saxon Mario groupie. I'm also a Kingman progeny groupie. So <laughs> this is exciting for me. Yeah, um, I'm going to go against Admiral Nelson. I know he's very talented from debut, but I'm going to go with the new market winner Creative Force to get a winner for Charlie Appleby and William Buick This is the Matchday FM podcast bringing you debate, discussion and the occasional audio argument as we talk the best and worst of sport. You can find details of upcoming episodes on our social media to search for Matchday FM Well we will now move on to the Wokingham Stakes the penultimate race of Royal Ascot this year, which is a heritage handicap run over six furlongs. The market is led by Bielsa, who will certainly get the backing of Leeds fans for Sylvester D'Souza and Kevin Ryan. Highland Dress is uh, third favourite and up there as well is Summergand for James Doyle. An interesting race, uh, this one, but Bielsa, Ben, are you siding with him? I wouldn't be particularly sad of him. I mean, he was progressive enough last season and I had noticed that King Power have bought into him. And that has just happened this week. They must be very desperate for a Royal Ascot winner this year. I know they ended up getting one with Cleante, I think it was, last year in the very last race. But they've not had great form this week so far. But Bielsa, yeah, he's progressive enough. Finished down the field, though, in the Portland Doncaster, which is a pretty reputable handicap. I don't think I'll be backing him though at the price in this field. I know that you, Harry, are keen on Summergand. Yeah, you said we were picking favourites, so I've gone a little bit further out, and it's like further out. Yeah, this horse ran a nice race at Newmarket behind Tinto in a handicap when the season restarted. So he's very, very experienced in these races, six years old, he's been around the world, been around the block, knows the game, and that was pretty significant return to form after finishing eight and six in the two runs before that at Maidan. Obviously, as we've said before, that form is a tricky one to evaluate. But yeah, I just think he's got a, an okay little weight, one off, one pound lower at Wolverhampton on Boxing Day. And the way he finished that last race, he was absolutely flying home. So this this finish again is, is one that's going to suit. And booking of James Doyle to ride is an eye-catching one, given how he's been riding all week. So. I think Summergan's got a decent chance. I've only just noticed here that Jack's point is in this race as well. It finished second, I think, in the in the Buckingham Palace in the first race of the meeting. I don't yeah. know if that'll end up going. I'd imagine my... that'll be fine, to be fair. Tuesday to, Tuesday to Saturday, we obviously saw that with Blue Point last year. I, don't, I think it's more an issue when it's sort of one or two days apart. Yeah, I agree. It's drawn on, in, on the far side, though. We've not seen as much bias on towards the sand side on Thursday. We've seen a few come up the, the far side mm. and win. But my fancy for this, I mean, it's pretty open. The low, the highest odds in this race at the minute are 33-1, to 1, which suggests that 
there's no massive no hoper in this. My fancy is a horse that came third in this last year. Danzino, the old boy, nine years old, does carry top weight, nine stone ten, but last year he carried nine stone twelve, two pounds higher, and finished a respectable third. He's always gives his run in these kind of handicaps, the class twos, that your Ascots and your York. And Ben Curtis is a jockey who is very much highly respected and up there in the jockey's odds for the season. And I will stick with Danzino, a horse that I've watched for quite a few years now and never seems to be out of the top five or he's never not there at the finish. Lovely. At a price for you. And uh, Harry, who are you backing here? Yeah, some again for me. I'll give another chance after that. I'll catch him around last time. It won't have escaped you, Ben, that uh, Ryan Moore has been booked on Gulliver. I know you're a big darts fan. Darts silks. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, Gulliver's another one of these who runs in these big handicaps. That he's a York specialist as well. He probably has another chance as well. I could probably name about 10 horses in here that have a, a live chance. Um, but they all seem to trade runs in the uh, trade wins and places, sorry, in, in these kind of races. So it wouldn't be a major shock if an outsider wins. But yeah, I'll stick with Dan Zeno as my pick. He's 20 to 1 currently got to carry top weight but he's always there to finish good stuff and uh we'll rewind then to the first race on the card it makes sense to discuss uh this silver wokingham handicap the consolation race for this and the market at the moment is headed by swindler for andrea azzini and ed walker have you got a couple in this harry who you're keen on yeah and one at a fairly whopping price is cosmic law this horse won the woodcut at Epsom when he was a two-year-old, and obviously that's a race that was then won by Pinatubo. So, I mean, I'm not going to compare the two. That's ridiculous. But, yeah, so it's got some smart back form. That was a while ago. This horse is your classic mudlat. Absolutely loves juice in the ground. Ran behind, moved back around, reappearance uh, the other week at Newcastle after a long time off. But at a massive price, this, is, this looks a pretty open race to me. So he could hit the frame. 25 to 1 thereabouts maybe maybe able to get a little bit bigger if if there is a bit more rain or if it stays good soft soft he's, f- he's will, 33 we'll have a good chance yeah. 33 so you yeah so you can get even bigger I think this horse has got a, a pretty decent chance I know you love the colours as well yep, John yeah John my, my sweet Lawrence <laughs> indeed Ben what do you fancy well the favourite swindle, swindler sorry he'll probably be wanting the ground to dry up a bit he's only run on good or good to firm tracks. Blue Mist had a promising run at Newbury last week in a small field handicap. Couldn't get past Breath of Air, fellow Khalid Abdullah horse. Stepping back in trip though, interestingly, he's been campaigned over seven furlongs in a mile usually, and he's ran well with any kind of soft in the ground previously. Um, another horse that we talked about in the walking and a lot of these rear paws throughout the season and they're always running against each other. Louis de Palmer was in these races quite a bit last season. Um, didn't win any. Won a class three, but he ran his race more often than not in these kinds of races, and he came fourth in the York Sprint Cup. He may, might want to come down a few pounds in handicap for winning this level again, but I think he's a solid chance for a place. And Golden Apollo as well, another one of these northern-trained horses who always appear in these races. He's carrying an appealing weight. Not one for quite a bit though, so 
again, I wouldn't back him to win, but maybe for a place. I don't really have a, again, it's another race I don't have a confident selection in. Harry's looked at one with value, Cosmic Law, but I'll go with Blue Mist. He did shape up pretty well at Newbury. Obviously, coming back in trip, he'll have to prove he's got the speed. But I'll go with Blue Mist to win, and perhaps on the day I'll go with Louis the Palmer for a place as well. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. And we've nearly reached the end. I can't believe it. The final race of Royal Ascot, 36 out of 36. And it's the Queen Alexandra Stakes run over two miles, five and a half furlongs. And at time of recording, Mekong is the market leader for Nicola Curry. Uh, Who Dares Wins is up there as well, who campaigned uh, this season, just gone on the, uh, on the jumps. The Grand Vizier runs for Ian Williams. Nate the Great for Oshin Murphy and Andrew Balding and Fun Mac is at 10 to 1 for Jim Crowley and Huey Morrison. And uh, as a jumps man, Harry, you must be uh, licking your lips at the, the, uh, the, the jumps um, horses in these. Oh, yeah, an extended two and a half miles. He doesn't love that. Oh, yeah, no. He plodders. Yeah, I mean, and, and in this race, I'm going to go for a horse that um, I'm sure Ben has fond memories of from when we were at Aintree in 2018, the Grand Vizier, who was making his debut <laughs> the jumps that day, I believe, and Bunny Hop the first, just about got over, and then the second hurdle, he ran into mine, also with Eldorado Allen, and knocked mine over, and this caused all sorts of interference, and then one of the loose horses forced uh, Ben's horse to run out, and that was yeah. race one, we probably shouldn't have known the right was on the wall then, but yeah, the Grand Vizier won the Ascot Stakes last year and has form on softest ground up to around about three miles. So he's going to get the trip. He he hasn't run since October, but I'm not too concerned about that. He may or may not need the run, but there's a again, this is a race where there's question marks about a lot of them. And he's not the worst price for a horse who has Royal Ascot form. So, yeah, I will chance the Grand Vizier. Well, I'm personally gutted that the Irish horses can't come over. They normally make it a lot more competitive. They're not, the foreign horses aren't allowed to come over for handicaps. Palisator probably would have been perhaps sent over for this. And I, that's a horse I like a lot. He's a bit of a head case and he's with Gordon Elliott now. There's horses I don't particularly have a fancy in this one. Fun Max carrying top weight. I've backed him before, but he struggles to win. And he probably will struggle to win at his weight. Nate the Great is moving up from a mile and a half to drastically to two and three quarter miles which is a big jump and he only ran two weeks ago what Mekong I can't see that running after it ran in the gold cup it was plodding behind Stradivarius and the rest of them I imagine that was a pretty hard race for him so I can't see him coming out two days later and running in this so I would not be taking two to one on Mekong the one I've stumbled on reluctantly maybe who dares wins had a winter campaign over fences, won a grade two at Kempton. We know he's a good stayer on the flat as he's won the Northumberland plate over two miles and he's finished fourth in the Prix de Cadran in France, which is the group one. He's got something to prove going over a bit further, nearly two and three quarter miles, but I think it'll be him and the Grand Vizier heading off at the end and hopefully he will get his head in front. So Ben, who dares wins for you? 
Harry, who wins the final race of the 2020 Royal Ascot? Well, I imagine if I'm tipping him, he probably won't win and he'll come second, given my luck this week. But I will say, as it stands, the Grand Vizier will be my pick to win. To finish off, the best bet on the Saturday, day five. And I'll start with you, Ben. Um, well, I don't really want to go with anything too short, which would probably rule out more beautiful. So I will go a bit of a, well, not price as much, but as a non-favourite, I will go with Creative Force to win the Coventry for Godolphin. And what about you, Harry? I know, you, I know you've lost your confidence a bit, but come on. I mean, I just, I, just want to, I just want to get one right. I just want to get one right at this point, to be honest. I mean, this best bet selection has practically turned into what's your worst bet or what's your most agonising bet, as we saw with Liberty Beach getting absolutely robbed of second place by Ambertage. I don't think either of us have actually landed one yet, so that's always good. I, I'll just try and land one again. I'll go with Quadrilateral. So that's practically cursed there now, which is a disaster, but there we are. We've not had, we haven't had very much luck without I think African Dream was one of them uh, on no. Thursday. Well, we don't she, have to talk about that one, don't we? She pulled that up. didn't happen. That didn't happen. Uh, Joe, you, you had a bit of a shock with one. You had Firmin, didn't you, on the first day? as your best bet, and he finished last. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> We've, uh, all got a rev- we've all got a rebel in each of his misfortunes. Indeed, indeed. But yeah, um, I'm not going to mention my two handicap winners this week. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to, I'm definitely looking at the Wokingham for some value. And uh, I'm looking at Gulliver, uh, price about 14 to 1. I also like Spanish City as well for Andrea Atsini and Roger Varian. So that was that then, the final Match Day FM Royal Ascot podcast. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed, I'm sure you've enjoyed the racing uh, this week. And I hope you've enjoyed the podcast that we've done um, every day. And uh, we've certainly enjoyed putting them together. Look out for our tips for day five on the Match Day FM website and on our social media. And you can't get rid of us too quickly. We're coming back next week with a Royal Ascot review of all five days. And uh, we'll also be back very soon for... Well, the Epsom Derby is not too far away as well. So uh, stay safe and uh, look forward to your company next week on the Match Day FM podcast.